What's happening, everybody? On today's show, Chris Marler will join us to recap the SEC Championship, discuss Bama making the playoff. The SEC uh, hopes are alive for another championship. We'll also get his thoughts on the SEC as a whole and the transfer portal madness and much more. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Go make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet at FanDuel. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network covering your team every day. All right, we uh, talk with them every week. Excited to get him in here, our buddy Chris Marler, who uh, was a very happy person after the SEC championship. And uh, Marler, I just want to dive right into it. I don't know what happened. I was on the record last week saying I thought Georgia was going to win big. But uh, this whole thing about Georgia owning the SEC and all of college football uh, Nick Saban reminded folks he's still very much alive. You know, I also – I'll start by saying I also thought that Bama would lose that game. And I, <laughs> I don't think that double digits would, would have been crazy. And I remember saying this before the national championship game, like from like a betting standpoint, taking an alternate line at, 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 at UGA minus 10 would be a good value bet because they might pull away late. And that's, that's you know, like, like they tend to do when they lean on people. Um, as a Bama guy – and I'll just say this strictly, like from a, like a, the fan side, but like also objectively watching the game, it was really cool to to watch how that game unfolded, and and kind of re- like realize like okay, I I know that I've been preaching like the dynasty's not dead yet, the dynasty's not dead yet, but like to see the way the game played out, I and mean, then Bama kind of do some of the things that they were did forever and were known for um, under Nick Saban, and it, really Kirby and and company over there at Georgia have made a staple of their program, like leaning on people late, um, spreading the ball around, just like pressing on you. And like, like when you get to the second half against Georgia, it it's like you just are up against like your own will, right? Watching Georgia not be able to punch it in from like second and goal from the one. Yeah. Not being crazy. able to have an answer to stop Milrow. Um, and then seeing Tommy Reese on the very last drive, you, you, you like Georgia pulls within three, uh, Bama gets the ball with a little over two minutes to go, and they come out in five wide. In a formation that was, you know, like a little bit of a disguise, and and they they show a new wrinkle they haven't ran at once this entire year. Um, thought it was a really really good game. Still think Georgia is, is an incredible program, incredible, incredible team. Obviously, there were a lot of injuries uh, that affected them. Like, you know, it seemed like nobody was 100. percent They looked almost lethargic uh, and beat up. But yeah, it's. Not, I mean, I remember saying to everyone at media days, you guys thought I was just being a homer and, and, and being, you know, crazy. But everyone just kept assuming like. All right, so listen, like, how many more years of saving have? Like, obviously, Georgia is king now, and LSU is going to, like, they win the division year one with Brian Kelly. And I just – I did not understand why we were – we were really just, like, putting the nail in the coffin after two losses over four total points. But it was it was an awesome game, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's crazy. And we'll talk about Bama's full season as a whole here in just a second. But uh, what shocked me, Marler, was that was the first time in two years 
that we've seen Georgia come out and just not look like the aggressor. Like, Bama looked like the hungrier team. They were running to the football. They were hitting hard. I mean, like, it looked like Georgia got hit in the mouth. Like, I don't know if they went into that game just expecting to win or, like, what the mentality was. But clearly, like, like, you go back and watch that game, like, Bama looks like they are the desperate, oh, my God, we want this more than you do. And Georgia looked like they were sleepwalking. It looked like it looked like they got punched in the mouth for the first time, like like more than once, and they, and they didn't know what to do. They just didn't know. They hadn't been in that situation. Um, and I remember saying this like at the start of the year, like Georgia is so good. They are they they can beat every opponent in the regular season by double digits. But sometimes you wonder if that's like a detriment when you get to the postseason because you're not battle tested. And I think this team was was pretty battle tested, especially more um, than maybe like some of the, the last two national championship teams were. But, you know, like, like Georgia came out, and, and I thought the script for Bama to have won that game would have had to have been do what a lot of teams have done in Georgia this, like this year, which is score earlier, score first, and then just try to, try to like, get, get it to its late in the, in the fourth and hopefully figure out a way to beat them. Because, like, Georgia has been a second-half team a lot this year. And Georgia comes out and, and forces Bama into a three-and-out and then goes right down the field, just hot knife through butter, scores a touchdown on their first drive, and then, Gordy, in the next 44 minutes of the game, like like from like 10 minutes in the first quarter to like nine minutes in the fourth quarter, they had eight drives, like five punts, a missed field goal, a turnover. Like they, they I think they had only three drives out of 11 total in the day that were uh, over five yard or over five plays. Like they just never got anything going. I, I just I didn't get it because they had early success and just like disappeared. Yeah, it's important sometimes to. Uh you know, uh, practice restraint. And I'm glad I practice restraint on Twitter because when you mentioned when Georgia comes out and they, they go right down the field and score, I was this close to tweeting, oh, this is going to be a bloodbath. Oh, Georgia's yeah. going to – Bama already punted. I mean, Georgia's look, looking like they're going to go up and down the field and score. And thank God I didn't tweet that because it just it – didn't, it didn't go that way at all. Yeah. The guy, the guy next to me where I was watching the game – leaned over to I was the only Bama fan around where I was and it was all Auburn Georgia grads and he leaned over like whispering like so like I wouldn't hear and he goes Georgia's gonna win this game by 35 points <laughs> and I honestly at the time I was like I don't know if I'm gonna argue that because it was like that a, way, a pretty yeah. scary start but I will say that like it it did look off but you also got to give credit to a lot of credit to to Nick Saban and and Kevin Steele especially and honestly like a guy that we we really I don't want to say made the scapegoat of the season, but at the start of the year, the two biggest like problems or the ones that caught the most like ire from fans was Tommy Reese and Jalen Milrow. And it's been fun to watch this Bama team not dominate every week and, and watch Nick Saban have to like coach this team. And, and I think it's really rejuvenated him and, and energized him. And like I said, it's just been a really fun season. Yeah, well, one other thing is I thought – and Georgia, to their credit, they didn't stop fighting, right? I mean, they they, they scored. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, Saban said this after the game, that the determining drive was when Georgia scores and makes a one-score game, Bama then goes on a long drive and scores another touchdown to push it back to 10. I thought that was mm-hmm. a huge drive because that was like – if you go three and out there, you punt. Maybe Georgia comes back and wins that game. Mm-hmm. But I just thought everything, nothing came easy for Georgia. Bama made them work for everything. Even when Georgia, oh, you get down to the goal line, first first goal, nope. Second goal, nope. Third goal, no. It's like 
damn, they are yeah. making them work for everything. Like everything had to be earned, even extra on Saturday. And so, again, credit to Alabama. They played their butts off. But I just, again, the way Georgia had been on this roll, um, man, it's hard not to say that Nick is still in Kirby's head. I know he finally got the monkey off his back and won that championship. But you look back on it and go, if John Mechie and Jamison Williams are healthy in that game, like maybe he is undefeated against them. I said it in February. I said it in February. Listen, I'm I am what Georgia has done over the last three seasons is is incredibly impressive. And one loss does not define this program or or Kirby Smart in that stuff, right? Like fully admitted, like I do every week. Like I'm a Bama fan and all that kind of stuff, but I like I can be objective here, and I feel like I, I, I'm happy with this program because because even even with how dominant this run is that, that Nick Saban has had at Alabama, which I will never be seen again most likely. I mean, like the dude played for nine national titles in 14 years. He won six and 12. Kirby and Georgia have done things within the first seven years of that program that Saban and Bama never have. And, and like, they had this thing rolling at an, like, just operating at the, the, the highest peak of efficiency, I feel like, and excellence in in the uh, in the country but i said this in february i was like the narrative shifted so quickly because i think people for one wanted to see the dynasty over because they're tired of watching bama it's like you know i hate the yankees i totally get it but like that's part of it the other part of it's like you you watch georgia and you kind of believe what like your mind and eyes have been telling you the whole time right like they are dominant and they they maybe they are the new kings of it that's what i kept saying though. don't let don't go to atlanta where you have been in the house of horrors and then all of a sudden you find yourself in that situation, and now the narrative changes completely. It's so weird because it's it's Georgia's backyard. How do they not have the – you would think of anywhere that they're going to get benefit of the doubt and win games. It's in it's well, in Atlanta. Last thing last thing I'll say, because I know we, we don't want to like like harp on too much, but I just want to say, like, Georgia fans, like I, I fully get it. It's heartbreaking, especially if they're coming at the end of the season. But, you know, it's hard to win when your best offensive players are out of the game. So, hope you can <laughs> I, see that now. I will say, I mean, like, I think they, I, and I wonder if Kirby's kicking himself, but going to Ladd McConkey and uh, Brock Bowers as much as they did, look, those guys are awesome. They were clearly not 100%. Like, why did you keep going to them? They get Brock Bowers out in space, and you can see he doesn't have the speed. And I'm like, no. dude, you brought Dominic Lovett in, the best receiver from Mizzou a year ago. Wow, you brought in Robert Thomas. Get all of those guys why are you going to the Dylan dudes who's had a career game against tennessee yeah like and here's here's the other thing too like gordy like like i honestly i thought kirby was downplaying it and i thought that that they would be way healthier than than what they clearly were but one of the things that georgia has done better than any other program in the country for the last three years under munkin and under bobo is distributing the football to their offensive skill players like we all talk about bowers all the time but like they consistently get eight, nine, 10, 11 guys at least one reception in every game. And it's, it's something like that I don't see anywhere else in the country, and they do it consistently. And so I, I didn't understand that when it's like, I don't think they were a, like a detriment to you, but they clearly did not have the same burst, and, and, and nothing was working. So, you know, I, I, I was just as shocked as you were. All right, we're going to talk more with Chris Marler here in just a second. Did the committee get it right? That's the big question. We're going to talk with Chris Marler about that here in just a sec. 
Thank you guys for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. I want to remind you this episode presented to you by our friends over at FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers are staying red hot over at FanDuel right now. New customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. Tons of betting options up there from spreads, player props, over-unders. All of it is up there for you. And it's not just the NFL. They've also got college action. The bowl season, the playoff games, the Michigan Open as a favorite over over Alabama, and they've been a favorite. Do you like Bama in the upset? Go take advantage of the odds there over at FanDuel. Go visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off your uh, end-of-the-year winnings right there throughout this NFL season and the college bowl season. They are FanDuel. They are the official partner of the NFL. All right, as we jump back into it with our buddy Chris Marler here on Locked On SEC. Marler, um, you know, look, the the big question everybody's been asking is, did the committee get it right uh, with the four teams making the playoff? My takeaway has been no. But what the hell did you, else did you want them to do? I mean, they, they were in an impossible situation. There was no right answer on how to how to put the best four teams in. When you say the best four teams, Marler, what's the best Chinese restaurant you ever ate at? You're going to have a different answer than me. It's just best is so subjective, it leaves it all up in the air. But uh, what would you make of their decision? I tell you what, if, if there was a nation of people that loved to, to eat Chinese food every single Saturday and they, they've done it their entire lives and it's their favorite thing in the world. And my job was to figure out the four best Chinese restaurants. I would just try to do my job. I, I like, I, I'm very happy that, that Bama got into the playoff at, like, and I'm not going to feel guilty as a fan that I get to watch my team in there, but just being honest, man, like they, it's not even that Bama doesn't deserve to be in, right? Like, but they don't deserve to be in over Florida State. And I think you look at this team and it's like, we kind of look at it like, I mean, what are you going to do, man? They just beat Georgia and they, they went 12-1 and one and they beat all these ranked teams and ball, like all of that. And all of that's true. But like this year has been, we kind of thought maybe it was going to be like that 2007 year where it's chaos. And instead it was kind of like that 1994 year. I'm dating myself here, obviously. But that, that 1994 year, which is like, Nebraska was undefeated. Penn State was undefeated. I think Oregon was undefeated late. Bama was undefeated like late. Auburn like super late in the season. It, you looked at Bama's resume and it's like, how do we not put them in? Well, you, you don't put them in because Florida State went undefeated in a Power Five conference. And and listen again, I'm happy that my team's in and, I, and I'm 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 excited to watch and all kind of stuff. But what I keep going back to is. If it's the four best teams, I really think you could make the argument, a convincing argument for either side and, and sway my opinion, anyone's opinion, and, and like make a convincing uh, argument for it. But when you think about having a team of 85 to 100 teenagers and, and, and young adults that have worked out, gone, like, you know, busted their ass, like 6 a.m. practices, two a days, all that stuff year round. Also, fun fact about Florida State 18 of their 22 starters coming to the season. We're at least four years into the program. It was a, one of the most veteran teams in the entire country. And you sit here through this rebuild with Mike Norvell, and then you finally have this break the year, and you're 13-0. and 0, And all you did was everything you were asked to do. Yeah. And you're basically saying, like, not only did your regular season matter not matter, but the other 84 scholarship players, like, sorry, that this one guy, 
he got injured, so now none of you like are, are going to get to go to the postseason. In, in the Ultimate Team Sport, I thought that was like really short-sighted, and I think it's – I get why they did it, but I, I just think like if, none of the stuff leading up to that week like from their weekly rankings was consistent. And and honestly, this was more of a resume thing, I think, for Bama and an eye test thing for Florida State. But, man, their biggest eye test that they were competent in all year was, uh, what do you call it, was Oregon. And, it, you know, and despite only having two their best two wins being against four lost teams. Yeah, I thought the, uh, the, the, the talk of Jordan Travis is just – it's their convenient excuse because they have it in the by- – I think, like, somebody in the committee must have went, hey, wait, wait, the bylaw says if a key player gets hurt, we continue. So everybody in agreement will roll with that? Like, they were looking for any out they could because if they didn't have right. that, what the hell's your excuse? And it's just – it's funny. Look, we're locked on SEC, and, and I'm – more often than not, I'm an SEC homer. But this was one year where if the SEC had been left out, it would have sucked – our podcast would have had low numbers, all that kind of stuff. I, but, like, I would have said I get it. Because at the end of the day, to your yeah. point, Florida State, the question is what more could we have done? The answer is nothing. You could have nothing. done nothing. If Bama's left out and, and I get it, somebody said, you can't leave the SEC champ out. I said, is that a written law that you can't leave the right. SEC champ out? You can. Because the question for Bama is what more could we have done? Well, you could have not lost to Texas by double digits at home. By 10. You know, yeah, that's, that's always, like, a, that's one you could always go back to. But to your point, with Florida State, there is no, what more could we have done? Well, you could have kept your quarterback from breaking his leg. You know, like, what? You can't do anything about that. Here's the other thing, too, is that, like, if you're – I think a lot of times just the way college football plays out, we see it happen almost every year. It's like you can you can navigate an early loss, right? Like, I, th- I think when Bama lost, like, I, I thought that – I said in the preseason they'd lose by 10-plus points to Texas because they wouldn't have the, the quarterback thing figured out. Um you know, I think that we just kind of assume, like, you know, we just wait till you get to November. Like, you know, there's always chaos. And and there just really wasn't this year. There was a lot more, I think, conference parity from around the country. Um, but, again, like, if you would have come out, they they had the opportunity when they first came out with, with the rankings to say, if they wanted to, like, listen, uh, Florida State we don't think is that good. Like, their best wins is the Clemson team that's, like, struggling as of right now. You could have put them at – five, six, seven, like we've seen them do to undefeated teams in the past. Instead, you chose to put Bama and Texas there right. and assumed, I think, that it was just going to play itself out, and it didn't. And the other thing I'll say, too, is that, like, I always say that if we're going to talk about sports, we're going to do it in facts, right? We're going we're gonna to talk about it in facts. And the argument against Bama strictly being, like, well, they barely beat USF or they barely beat Auburn or they barely beat Arkansas, stop. Just stop. Like they 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 had more ranked wins against ranked teams than any of the other teams besides Washington. I think they were tied with Washington in in the Final Four. They played the number five overall strength of schedule. I mean, like that's the other thing too that, that I don't like where this is kind of the direction it's going in because it kind of seems like this year more than ever preseason confirmation bias of what we think we know has like factored into a lot of the decisions. Right, and also this idea of. Well, they score a lot of points. They must be dominant. Right. Is, is what's helping the eye test. Like, defense is still part of the game. Well, that was the big problem I had with Michigan. And you and I talked about it here on the podcast over the summer. We sa- I said Michigan didn't play a non-conference schedule. And yet, at the end of the day, no one cared about that. They were the number one team going into the playoff. 
And if I'm any SEC team, I'm looking at that going, why am I scheduling a tough non-conference game? Right. The committee is telling me if I play ECU and Bowling Green and whoever, you're going to put me in the playoff as long as I win convincingly. Well, why am I, what, you know, again, why am I scheduling these tough games? It's, it doesn't help me. I will say that the Michigan thing, too, it's crazy to me. They just got like a free pass from this whole thing. Like they cheated in this year. They cheated right. this year. And and they not only didn't get in trouble, they're the number one overall seed. Um, just to harp on the point real quick that you made about like they didn't play a non-conference schedule. Buddy, if you think that was bad, those first three games, like it's two and ten ECU and then whoever else, like I think UNLV was might have been their toughest on the schedule. The next they they got into their conference games the week after, and they didn't play a team with a winning record until the the second week in November. It's again this this whole like the, the the tough part with the NFL is like most everybody plays everybody. So at the end of the year, like right. my friend said, imagine playing an NFL schedule, and at the end of the year, we say we're going to get a bunch of people in a room and go, all right, now who we think should make the playoffs? Like, no, it was settled on the field. Everybody played just about everybody, and like you played a tough schedule. The right. college football is not like that. Like, not every schedule is created equal, so it's so subjective, you know. I, I will say I think that the one sad part of all of it is because, like, the subjective part of it is what used to kind of make it, like, it charming and, and, like, you're obviously going to, like, there's biases, like, for your team and who you think is this and that or SEC versus, like, the Big Ten or whatever. But it seems just clear by the day that at every single turn, whether it's the NCAA, whether it's the cultural playoff committee, whether it's, like, the expansion of the conferences, the people that are in charge of college football are not college football fans. Yeah. And, and all the decisions that are being made – I'm not saying they, they're not factoring in the fans and players enough into their decisions, but it's definitely not the priority. Yeah, well, it is a discussion for another day, but when we talk about the, the folks on that committee, like somebody brought up to me, they said Mitch Barnhart, I think, was on the on the committee, or like you know some of these people in the SEC, they're like, wait, so if an SEC wins the, play, wins the championship, don't like payouts go to all the schools, right? I said, yeah. I said, so the ADs profit off of this, right? I said, well, yeah. They go, well, isn't that like, don't I have a, a, a financial incentive to do that? I said, yeah, but they're supposed to check all that at the door and be like, right. any, any personal benefit, I'm checking at the door, but it's not how we operate in the real world. Like everybody's always no. going to look out for, oh, you mean I can make an extra, you know, million dollars off of this? Yeah, I'll go with that decision. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. So, all right, we got more to discuss with uh, Chris Marlowe. That is coming your way here in just a second right here on Locked on SEC. All right, I want to remind you guys about our friends over at Prize Picks. We've been telling you about them all year. If you guys have not downloaded the Prize Picks app yet, what are you waiting for? Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It is just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros, sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you will watch the winnings roll in. With basketball season here now, you can pick combo projections across football and basketball from their specials league. So if you like LeBron James, you know, the, the three-pointers made uh, plus uh, receptions, or you like uh, or Travis Kelsey plus receptions with LeBron three-pointers made, you can combo them together. It's an awesome uh tool for you right there at Price Picks, and they even offer a reboot policy so your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games if you have a player who exits the game in the first half doesn't come back in the second that player's rebooted Price Picks the only daily fantasy uh, sports platform with an injury insurance policy go to pricepicks.com slash locked on college 
Use our promo code Lockdown College for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash Lockdown College. Use promo code Lockdown College for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. It is daily fantasy sports made easy over at Price Picks. All right, one more segment here with our buddy Chris Marler. And uh, we, we got the SEC championship recap. We got the college football playoff uh, decision and all that. I do want to get on some transfer portal stuff here in just a second, big picture. But uh, you got an early thought on Alabama versus Michigan? I I, I keep saying, Marler, I mean, I, I keep going back and forth. This is a really good Michigan team. To me, we're going to find out very early in this one. If Blake Corum is gashing Alabama getting five, six yards of carry, I'm going to go, uh-oh. All right, Bama's in trouble. But if Bama did what they just did to Georgia and they're stuffing the run and looking at J.J. McCarthy and going, hey, what else you got? This could very well go Bama's way. Yeah, no, I think, like, admittedly, it's it's hard for me to take Michigan too seriously as of yet because I've seen them in this position before. It seems like they always fail. But I, I looked at stuff yesterday just to kind of, like, get an understanding of, like, what, what this team is all about. Um, and these, these are the national rankings. <laughs> For this team, scoring margin first, scoring defense first, pass touchdowns allowed first, penalties per game uh, first of the fewest in the country, um, red zone touchdowns allowed first, pass defense second, total defense second, turnover margin second. I mean, they have been about as as elite as you could be. Now, granted, you know the, the schedule has been somewhat helpful with that, but they are really, really good defensively, and they're built a lot like an SEC team. Um, you know, I, I think I think they're good. I will also tell you, I think that that audible groan they let out in their uh, in their <laughs> awards or their their what do you call it, their banquet probably also said everything you need to know. Yeah, no, it's it's um, it's going to be. I mean, look, but they were they were hoping for Florida State with a backup quarterback, right? I yeah. mean, it's like you you want that over full strength Alabama. Uh, speaking of, it, it's kind of interesting, Marlon. I mean, you know, Bama season's still alive. Everybody else is kind of heading into the offseason. we got bowls and all that. But a lot of teams, I mean, the, the transfer portal is alive and well. It just opened on Monday. we got National Signing Day coming up here in a couple weeks. But I couldn't help but kind of look ahead at what the landscape of the SEC is going to look like next year, especially at quarterback. I mean, that's the all-important position. But you're talking about some of the best teams. Like, Bama's going to get, presumably, Jalen Milrose is going to come back and probably yeah. be even better. Ole Miss, Jackson Dart, you know, Lane Kiffin let the cat out of the bag. He's going to be back. Mizzou, who just had a 10-win season, Brady Cook's going to be back. Like that, He may get even better with Luther Burton. A&M's going to get Connor Wegman back healthy. You expect you know he'll get back to what he was. Uh, Graham Mertz announced he's coming back to Florida. Those are really your five returning starters next year, right? I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else and, I'm missing. And by the way, Tennessee, Tennessee's getting Nico. Well, well, so, yeah, I'm just talking about guys who are coming back as returning starters. And yeah. I assume, I guess, Carson back at, at Georgia, right? He'll be back. I, I we'll think see. he will. I think one of the things that's really cool about just the way college football, like one of the benefits of like the new era of college football is, and especially with the COVID year and us being still being in that little window of time, is that for a long time, the way that, that football works always, it was like, like if you can leave early, leave early. And, and we, you know, get to the NFL, make your money, all those things, right? Um, and a lot of players that came from, like, you know, some homes and, and backgrounds that weren't that financially successful, like, they did that. And and the other thing is, too, you, you just have this constant thing where it's like, you want to start right away, you want to play right away, and then, like, you know, I, I want to get to college, and then I want to get to the NFL, and, and uh, you know, everything's fast-tracked. We've seen over the past two years, Hendon Hooker, 
Stetson Bennett, do, Joe Milton this year, who obviously didn't have that same level of success as those guys. But, like, you know, staying in college and, and developing and, like, you know, until you're in your five or six years is super beneficial. And it's, it's very clear that that's, that's, like, helped a lot of quarterbacks. I think now, especially with, with NIL, when you can stay an extra year and, and like, make life-changing money, to start like your, your the rest of your life with, I think that's also helpful. Um, it is going to be interesting though, because I think you're going to see a lot of people in the transfer portal. Um, you know, Will Rogers leaving it seems odd because you talked about somebody being in college for 18 years like that. That is still mind blowing to me. And but did I, you hear where that, uh, where he's likely headed? Enterprise rental car. Uh, <laughs> Washington yeah. is the rumor he will succeed uh, Michael Penix there. Really? That's that's the rumor. Yeah. Uh, so here, so here, let me just hit you with the rumors real quick because this is where I wanted to touch on. On, uh, and we'll add Texas and Oklahoma to the mix, right? Texas Quinn Ewers is intimated he's coming back, even with Arch Manning. We'll see how that plays out. But Oklahoma's now in the like Dylan Gabriel is in the portal. Oklahoma needs a quarterback now. Yeah. Now I know they're loaded. I think there's some like five star quarterback on the roster. It'll be the guy. But um, yeah. So here are the so here are the rumblings on movement. Will Rogers rumor is he may be headed to Washington. KJ Jefferson, it came out he was in the portal. Then he put out a thing and said, no, I haven't made a decision yet. I think he's going to meet with Bobby Petrino, maybe hear that out. But all the yeah. all the rumblings were he's going to South Carolina where Dole Loggins is to replace Spencer Rattler. So that would be very interesting if KJ Jefferson goes to South Carolina. And then the news this week, Brock Vandergriff leaving Georgia. All the reports, KSR comes out and says, Kentucky possibly for Brock Vandergriff. So just kind of fascinating the musical chairs there. But I'll say this, Arkansas, you lose K.J. Jefferson. I don't know who you're going to get. Auburn, you cannot go with uh, Peyton Thorne again. Like, you have to make a change there. Vandy lost both their guys. A.J. Swan and Ken Seals both went in the portal. Mississippi State. And Mike Wright last year. Yeah, Mississippi State loses Will Rogers in Oklahoma State. In Oklahoma, we'll see what happens with uh, Dylan Gabriel. But that's that's at least five teams in the SEC that are going to have Absolutely new quarterbacks. Now, LSU is, seems to be pretty set with Garrett Nussmeyer, and Tennessee right. seems to be pretty set with Nico Yamaliava, but, you know, it's going to be some new faces. I will also say, too, any quarterback staying an extra year this year, that is a smart business decision because that top three, that like for quarterbacks, that's that's done. It's it's Caleb Williams, it's Drake Bay, and it's Jaden Daniels. And, like, so, you know, I don't know why you would want to – to go risk even falling to like a, a later round, um, if you weren't absolutely sold on you being uh, taken, you know, like in the first 15, 20 picks. Um, I'm trying to think of the other part of this too. You you brought up, I think it was uh, Brock Vandergriff. I said this two years ago that I thought that kid with his style of play, hot take that he was going to leave Georgia because he wasn't going to start and and he would end up at Auburn at some point. I know the rumors are at Kentucky. They come from sources that are smarter than me. But, like, if you're a transfer quarterback, especially, I, I know that Peyton Thorne didn't have a great year. Why would you not look at Auburn and think that, like, you know, I've got I've got Hugh Freeze and his track record with quarterbacks, for one. They've got two five-star receivers coming in in this incoming class. Like, there's just a lot to like there. Yeah, and it's, and it's going to be dangerous. I was talking with some Texas fans uh, at an event the other night, and they were telling me, they're like, dude, we're, we're, we're starting to get a little nervous now. They're like, we'll see what happens. Maybe Texas wins the championship this year, and that'd be awesome. But they're like, we're looking at the SEC and going, oh, this is no cakewalk. <laughs> like, every week, you yeah. better be ready week in and week out. Because I was telling them, like, look, Kentucky comes to Austin next year. 
You think they're just going to come in and get beat by 30? Like, no. Everybody, week in and week out, you're going to get their best shot. And yeah. it's what makes the SEC great. But uh, going to be a lot of fun. We've got plenty of topics to talk about throughout the offseason. Real quick, Marler, before we let you go, uh, give me your quick thought on the FanDuel numbers. Texas minus 4.5 and, a half and uh, Michigan minus 1.5. You got an early lean either way? I mean, I do like Bama. And <laughs> that one, I will say. Um the Texas Washington one is, is is intriguing mainly because I think the world of Texas and Sark, but Washington has Washington reminds me a little bit of TCU last year because of the fact that like, you know, people just didn't want to ever buy into TCU, and it, I understand what happened in the national championship, but that was a twelve and zero football team that beat four ranked teams I think almost in a row, and Washington they played a really good schedule they just didn't blow everyone out, so I, I think that that that'll be a really really good game. Give me the over a thousand percent. But yeah, I, I think that'll be uh, it'll be interesting for sure. Well, look at the difference of the over unders. Texas Washington over under sixty four and a half. Bama Michigan forty six and a half. I mean, they just defensive battle in one, shootout in the other. Yeah, gonna be fun. I mean, but honestly, I, I mean, obviously, I want I want Bama to win, and I hate being this guy. Like, I want both teams to have fun. One thing I do want to see for once is just close. I mean, like like last year, we finally got like close semifinal matchups, and I hope we have that again this year. Look, I'm 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 going to be at the game in Houston. I do not want to watch Michigan uh, Washington. I'm sorry, I no. just I get no excitement for that game. I need Texas, and I need Bama, and I need uh, I need stakes. I need a rematch. I need uh, something like. I mean, look, Bama. Uh, what's the other Bama Washington? I guess would be exciting, but um, we yeah. saw we saw that game in the playoff a few years ago, and Bama destroyed them he is chris marler of the uh, saturday football uncensored podcast so uh, what are you doing now with college football season over i so i wanted to do some like one-off evergreen videos about you know nerding out over my like different things in college football and really got into a deep uh, a deep dive about the heisman and mm. just some of the ridiculousness that like you know over the years with, with uh, voters and some of the people that won or didn't win and all that kind of stuff Turns out nobody really cares about 1970s Heisman winners that shouldn't have won. Um, everyone's over it except for, except for me. But did you know that Archie Griffin, when he won his second Heisman, the only player to ever win two, did you know that in his second year, he only scored four touchdowns? Wow. And his own teammate scored 25. That's crazy. That's I mean, yeah, that's, that's when a reputation alone. That's like... Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. being ninth in the country in receiving yards and getting an invite to the Heisman ceremony. But, uh, Unreal, dude. I digress. Unreal. Malik Neighbors only leads the country in receiving yards, but, uh, you know, he's probably not going to win the Bolitnikoff. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. He is Chris Marler. And, by the way, Jaden Daniels is going to win the Heisman, right? That's We don't even need to talk about it. Yeah, the, the only thing, like, I think he should have been, after the Bama game, I, I thought he was the favorite. The only thing I don't like about this is that it continues to be an award that is not only like offensive base or, or like like people just they hitch their wagon to somebody and, and and are fully convinced that like they are gonna win all of November. The what have you done for me lately thing with the Heisman? Bo Bo Nix was minus two hundred to win the Heisman. His odds were on on Thursday before his game. They are now plus nine thousand. Wow. I mean, that's, but Actually, look, it's, he should have performed well in the Pac 12 title. I mean, look, Jaden Daniels didn't. 308 total yards and three touchdowns. Who? Uh, it... Bo Nix? Yeah. In the Pac 12 title game? Mm hmm. And also, I'm, I'm wrong that it's, it's like plus, plus 9,000, but it's like plus, I want to say like 1,200 or something like that. 
And the fact that it just that happened so drastically in in one week, especially when he played, I, like he's I still think Jaden Daniels should win. It's just kind of surprising that there's that much movement with so little things that happened. But you watch that game. He didn't play well for the majority of that game. Like, they scored late to make it closer, but they they got outplayed by Washington. You know what? Never mind. Everything. everything. <laughs> and, and look, Jaden Daniels, he didn't play this past weekend, but his last game, he put on a show against A&M, and somebody said, well, A&M's not very good. I'm like, dude, their defense is better than anybody Oregon faced all year. Yeah. Like, stop. Like, we but gotta- I just say, like, why were they ranked? It's like the committee thing. Like, why, why, was, why were his odds so good? And so favorable, and like, and then all of a sudden it's like, ah, never mind, we're way off, we're way off. <laughs> well, look, hey, it's it's like I've always said, LSU, they just produce Heisman-winning quarterbacks. It's just unbelievable. Always. I mean, you know, <laughs> when Les Miles had quarterbacks throwing for 80 yards a game, it's just unbelievable Ooh. how far they have come. He is Chris Marler. Uh, thanks for the time, man. I always appreciate it. Yeah, man. We'll do it again soon. All right. That's uh, Chris Marlowe of the Saturday Football Uncensored Podcast. This has been a new edition of Locked On SEC. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. Come on back and check us out tomorrow on the show. And uh, for your second listen, go check out Locked On. Uh, they've launched their first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts. From our national shows covering every league. For your second listen, go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 stream channel. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked On SEC. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.